Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, and owner of the furniture store for apathetic people entitled Who Chairs? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? I do chair. You do chair. You chair a lot, don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? It's just an unlimited well. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't just, know. Where where do they come from? Did, I mean... Uh, there's not a whole lot else going on oh here. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it's puns and like Star Wars facts. That's like it. That's all I got. That's well, yeah. I mean, you've done it now. How many times did 53... Well, yeah, yeah. 53 times in a row. A year and a week. Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a little less festive in here today. Yeah, not not quite as many uh, decorations for the the birthday or anniversary, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever we were Yeah, we never could figure out which one it was. Well, it was was birthday decorations, (laughs) but but I think it was was technically an anniversary. That's right. That's right. It worked. Yeah, but it was. You get the point. Lots of fun. I missed the little little poppers that we had last week. I like those. Those were a lot of fun. Have this story around. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, how was your weekend? Everything goes smooth? Good weekend? Good weekend, yeah. Yeah, anything yeah. big, fun going on? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Adam, how about you? I know there was a, there was a football game, there was lots yeah. of rain at a football game, and all kinds of other stuff, so how, uh, how was your weekend? It was fine. Before I answer that, though, we need to get something cleared up here. Is there apple, like, stuck in my teeth? Can you guys give <laughs> no, me a heads up? I don't up? see okay. apple. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. how you have a true friend. <laughs> so I had an apple at lunch. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to talk, and all of a sudden I'm like, is that Apple? Yeah. And I didn't want to go through this whole podcast. And at the end, you guys go, you really had Apple in your yeah. teeth right, the whole right, time? Right. Yeah. We have that kind of relationship, yeah. right? Right. We yeah. could point that out in real yeah, time. absolutely. The, yeah. Y'all not lying to me, right? No, it's no. really no, no Apple I, I, in my I teeth. Okay, all right. All right. I'm We're just John, sure. on the same page. Jonathan, can we zoom in on the What apple? did you ask me about? My weekend? <laughs> no, your weekend. How oh, was your weekend? Yeah. So we did. We went to the Pike Road High School football game Friday night, and it rained and rained and rained and rained. So we were really cold. We were really cold. But the team played well they didn't end up winning but we uh, were playing a really good opponent it wasn't a region game so uh yeah. you know that's right uh the band did awesome which is not easy to do when it's been flooding rain yeah. that is so, correct uh, yeah they were they were really great so we had a good time and then we were back up at the fo- same football field saturday for jacob's first game and it was at noon and it was the exact opposite you from freezing the night rain. before <laughs> yeah. 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 it was yeah. really yeah. hot <laughs> so uh his team played one of the other pike road teams and the other pike road team won um, eight to nothing. It was a offensive showdown. Okay, <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's really cool. There's three different teams um, that are playing for Pike Road this year. We've got a gray team, a red team, and a blue team, and then we're playing Prattville, Tumka, and you know other teams around mm-hmm. the, the River Region. But uh, these kids are playing each other, and at the end of the game, you know they're all together, and they'll all be playing together in high school one day. Right. You right, know? right. So it's fun because they're all buddies at school, and they compete with each other on Saturdays. One team has to win, one team has to lose. But right. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And uh, they got better. My parents drove over. It's always nice to get to oh, spend good. some time with yeah. them. So yeah. yeah, we had a we had a great weekend. Yeah, so and, uh, a lot and, of fun. And speaking of weekends, this coming up weekend, the return of college football. Like I know technically there was some this past weekend, but <laughs> no, like no. the real college if football. If your team yeah. played on week zero, that's just a, that's an insult. Yeah, <laughs> right. but, uh, I wouldn't admit that. No, it's yeah, like week exactly. zero. Yeah, no, the real kickoff of the college football season is right. this weekend. Very exciting. So Auburn plays a high school team, so that's that should right. be exciting. So <laughs> and, and we still might lose. Yeah. yeah. So that's a uh, so all the I saw you named your starting quarterback. Yeah. So uh, apparently, TJ, right? yeah, the arrest yeah. from the scooter incident didn't hurt him from starting. So <laughs> college wow. students 
that's on campus. <laughs> you see the abuse I just have yeah, to take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. We've all that's been funny. there. You ride a scooter on yeah. campus, you forget to put your helmet on. These things sure, happen. Sure. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Campus yeah. police have to stay busy it with could, something. It, it could literally happen to anyone. <laughs> anyone, yeah. Absolutely. So, all kidding aside, Auburn fans, we hope you have a good season. That's your due. So, who's out? Is Alabama, who do they play this week? Oh, I They're probably playing in some big stadium somewhere. Yeah, I know they play Texas in a couple of weeks, but I don't remember who they start the season with. Sorry, Alabama fans. I should know. I mean, you're going to win. I mean, like, Alabama's going to win. Of course they are. So, and then Georgia, we we opened in Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Oregon on Saturday. So excited about that. Can I tell you a really quick, funny college football story? I would love nothing more. So yesterday, in between services, a couple comes up to me who I've gotten to know. They've moved here in the last year, and they moved here from the Northeast. So this is all new to them, like life in the South. If if what you're about to say is what I think it is, they came up and talked to me, too. So go ahead. Well, I'm going to tell you what I told them. So, you know, I lived in the Northeast for four years. So, you know, NFL football is a big deal everywhere, especially a big deal up there. So they've got their NFL team set. They're good there. But they said, we need some help picking a college football team. You know, we know it's a big deal here. So what team should we, you know, cheer for? And they're like, we know there's Auburn. We know there's Alabama. We know there's Alabama State. Like, we've heard of Troy. Like, who who should we cheer for? And they know I'm a big Georgia fan, right? Right. And I said, well, obviously, I'm a Georgia fan, but you didn't move to Georgia. Like, you moved to Alabama. You need to choose a team from Alabama. I said, if you're asking me what team do you need to cheer for from the state of Alabama— it's pretty obvious to me. You need to cheer for the University of Alabama. That's correct. Crimson yeah. Tide. Yeah. I said, I don't understand why someone would grow up in Alabama and choose to become an Auburn fan. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? But you've helped me learn because you're right. like, no, you're born into it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it chooses yeah. you. That's right. Which now I, I have a I'm lot sorry. of respect for Auburn fans because <laughs> right. you stuck with your team. And look, Auburn's had some great years. Yeah. So let's not, you know, take too many shots at Auburn. Oh, the Shula years, man. They but, were so good. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to define your great years by another team's bad coach, Chad. That, this, I'm going to call you out. On sure, that right now, sure, right? sure, sure. So anyway, I was teaching them how to say "roll tide." Okay, when, and this Look is growth you. for me, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I was like, now don't tell too many people the words yeah. "roll tide" keep coming out of my mouth. So I said, you see that guy over there? It was Rudy. So Rudy standing <laughs> up, out there. Like, just walk up to Rudy, give him a fist bump, and say "roll tide," and you'll see how this works. And they're like, do you have to say it a certain way? I was like, no, nope, you can say it. you can say it however you want. It right. always works, and it's a very useful <laughs> phrase. It can be applied in multiple situations. This is you true. Can greet people with it. Yeah. You can say goodbye with it. Yeah, you know. So they're like walking around church now saying roll tide. So I, I feel like that's growth. Yeah. Like well I pointed someone in a good direction. Now, I don't know if you had, we haven't talked about this before. Did yeah. you have the same conversation? I, I actually did. Did you encourage them to be Auburn fans? No, I didn't. I said, here's what you got to understand. I said, you're, you're in the state of Alabama. I said, now, if you move here and you're choosing, the correct choice is Alabama. Right, right. So now, as an Auburn fan, like, I'm a huge fan of Auburn, but I'm an Auburn fan like my father before me, you know, his father before <laughs> him. That, down. Yeah, that, that kind of a thing. I said, yeah, I said, but if you have the opportunity to pick, pick Alabama, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, like, All they do is win, win, right. win. Isn't that the song? Right. That's so, right. So, but the thing about it, truthfully, if you've recently just moved here to the great state of Alabama, they're both amazing universities. Right. That's right. I think they're two of the best campuses I've ever been on. And oh, I've yeah. visited a yeah, lot yeah. of college campuses over the years. University of Alabama beautiful campus, Auburn University, beautiful campus. Mm. So we are blessed. Uh, and then obviously the other schools, Alabama State, Troy, we got some great colleges, Samford University up in Birmingham, right. UAB. Right. So uh, I didn't know this is how we we're going to start this talk today. Yeah. But we could keep going. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Neither did so, I. <laughs> you know, next weekend is like Christmas for me. Right. I mean, it is the most wonderful time of the year. You it know, you just get is. to watch football all day and have a good time. Oh. And uh, it's great. So yeah, exciting yeah. time of the year, exciting locally, a lot of kids. 
you know, they, they play ball or they're in the band or they do other things affiliated with fall sports, volleyball. I know we've got some students that play volleyball That's here right. in student ministry. Yep. It is a fun time of the year. Yeah, it's great. Everything kicking back into gear. And that time of year on the podcast where people who don't pay attention to football fast forward about five minutes yeah, in and, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> That's right. and then they pick it up for That's the time. Right. Me yeah. and you both. That's, yeah. <laughs> Good old Matt. But no, so uh, we, we continued our message series this past week, right? You're not. But before we get into the series, we stopped for a moment on Sunday and celebrated a few things. And I want us just to kind of pause yeah. for a moment and celebrate a few things. So uh, let's let's talk about some of that. So you talked about some of the stuff happening in our Next Generations ministry. Uh, we talked about, you know, some things happening in the community. So let's let's talk through some of that. Yeah, our kids keep inviting their unchurched friends to school. Right. To school, to church. <laughs> to church. Their yeah. unchurched friends from school to church. Right. Our kids are Vaughn Forest kids. And yeah. so mm-hmm. our fourth and fifth grade, um, that group specifically is growing like crazy. Mm. The whole elementary ministry is growing like crazy. So we're probably going to have to take over somebody else's space here <laughs> yeah. at some point in the church and find more room for them. Uh, we're going to put in a new playground for all the preschoolers. So that's, that's exciting. Awesome. Uh, student ministry, y'all had, again, you keep setting a new record every single week. We yeah, had I mean, it was, the most students. Yeah, um, it was like 87 students up there. This yeah. 87. Yeah. And so y'all are going to outgrow that space soon. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to figure that out too. Um, we also, we've got a worship meet and greet that's yeah. happening yep. uh, this week, right? Yeah. That's right. Yep. Lots Went of people Wednesday. who are interested in joining our worship and production team. So that's always exciting. Our life groups are about to kick off. Um, we've got some mission trips we're working on planning right now for 2023 <clears throat> that we're going to be talking more about in October. Right. Um, there's just a lot of great stuff happening. A yeah, lot yeah. of fun stuff happening right yeah, now. Yeah, it's exciting. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about these, uh, you know, these challenges, these opportunities. Like, man, what what great uh, problems to have trying to figure out where to put everybody. <laughs> yeah, I love it, a great man. I mean, it's, to have. it's so good. Well, the last thing you think everybody? when you come to Vaughn Forest Church is we have a space issue because right. we've got <laughs> right. a really big worship center and it's plenty of space and we've got plenty of parking. And so it can be easy to think like, oh, we're good. But it's our next generation yeah, ministry areas right. that actually don't have enough space. Right, right. So while we're in the worship services with plenty of space, and we feel very blessed by that, and other parts of the church, there's not as yeah, much space. That's right. And so we've got to figure that out. And you're right. It's a really good problem to have. Yeah, it's exciting. Great problem. <laughs> but this past Sunday, we did continue our message series, Ready or Not, and we talked about a really cool story from the book of Joshua uh, about the sun standing still. And so before we jump into all of our questions for today, I want, I want to pause for a moment and kind of repack this. So literally— the nation of Israel is in a battle. Joshua talks to God, prays, the sun stands still. Like, like literally? Can we talk through this? Like, did that actually happen? I believe it did, um, because I take the Bible to be literal. Yeah. You know, I don't read the Bible as a metaphor, as an allegory. Um, and it's kind of one of those things, like, you're, you're either all in or you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, which is more difficult to believe? God made the sun stand still or God parted the Red Sea? You know, God made the sun stand still or, you know, God created everything in six days right. or flooded the entire earth. It's like at some point, like you're either taking God at his word. Jonah lived in the belly of a well for three days. I mean, there's a lot of things. Daniel was in the pit with a bunch of lions and they didn't eat him for lunch. You know, three guys right. walked in a fire, walked right back out. Right. So at some point, either God yeah. is the God of the impossible or he's not. Right. So I'm not going to rank these things. I'm just going to look at all of them and go, all right, if it says he did it, he did it. And yeah. so it's easy for me to kind of have that childlike faith. But if it says God made the sun stand still, then I believe that's exactly what God did. I think he made the sun stand still. And I think that when you read, you know, Joshua 10 and its context from everything getting you there from Joshua's chapter 7, 8, 9, and you get on the other side, Joshua chapter 11, 12, it really kind of fits the flow of everything that's happening. Yeah. I mean, Joshua's yeah. praying that prayer because God had already told them what God wanted to do. The passage we read said God was throwing hailstones down from hell in the yeah. middle of the battle. <laughs> kind, so, kind of an interesting— Yeah, uh, so, yeah. you know, we're looking at it now like, well, that's that's crazy. But, yeah. like, 
no, if it's in there and it says it happened, then I believe that it happened. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, one day when we get to heaven, we can find out maybe a few of the missing details. But right. I, I take God at his word that, that that's exactly what it says happened. Therefore, I believe that's exactly what happened. That's really good. Well, I think, I mean, we talked about it last week that Jericho had some, like, archaeological evidence. Is there any that kind of supports that? It's interesting. The, the biblical account mentions the book of Jashar, um, which is yeah. another ancient book of yeah. writing that recorded uh, this event. Um, there's a little bit of a spiritual urban legend that NASA back in the 70s did this big study where they were trying to figure out whatever, whatever, whatever. And, oh, no, there's a missing 24-hour yeah. time. And so um, I was talking with somebody in the service <clears throat> after the service yesterday about that. So I decided this morning, <clears throat> let, me, let me track that back down. So um, I was reading about that this morning. And the, the, the best we can tell is that actually is a little bit of an urban legend. Okay. Like there's not – now – did it happen? I don't know, but there's no documented, recorded evidence that anything like that ever happened. So sure. I don't feel comfortable referencing right. that. Yeah. But from time to time, like you, you will hear about those kind of things. Right. Um, interestingly enough, I did read something this morning that um, was on a website devoted specifically to uh, the nation of Israel's history. That some astronomers had made a discovery in October of 2017 about some uh, lunar eclipse. Uh, that they deemed to be a pretty unique eclipse that mm -hmm. they traced to this time period. Oh, wow. And they were putting forth the hypothesis that this could be a scientific explanation of what mm -hmm. actually was happening. Um, I, I, I'm not real comfortable with with asserting that narrative. Right. But, but it does at least show you that there's been some attempt yeah. to try to, you know, um, take science and take the biblical account and see and if they can up. Yeah, interact, yeah. intersect yeah. with each other. But... Um, not nearly the amount of evidence that we have for Jericho, right. where you're actually at an archaeological dig yeah. where the right. city was. Yeah. Right. And that makes sense because it was a, yeah. a real place in real time. This is a, in a an something event. with astronomy and, and yeah. things like that. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know how all of that went down, but if God created the earth, I tend to think he can kind of do whatever he mm. wants to yeah. with said earth. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it's not hard for me to go, yeah, I could see how that could happen. Yeah, it's always interesting when people put different preconceived limits on God. Well, yeah, well, he can heal, you know, a lame man, but how could he make the sun stand? So I love your point there that if God is all-powerful, then God is all-powerful. Yeah. That's, that's really the end of the story. Yeah. So that's really good. So one of the things you talked about, you said that uh, Joshua's faith was ready to ask God for the impossible. And, and I love that line. But I think so many of us want to have that kind of faith, but we don't see these epic things happening like miraculous healings or the sun standing still, you know, often, you know, in, in this day and age or in our lives, at least. So how can we have that kind of faith that wants to ask God for the impossible? How do we have that practically in our, in our lives? Or as you put it, you know, how do we stretch our faith? Well, Jesus said that it takes a childlike faith. I think sometimes as we get older, we can reason God right out of the situations that we face. Mm -hmm. We can intellectually conclude already what's going to happen, and we don't make an allowance for God to intervene. We, we don't make an allowance for God to do something supernatural. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that God still does things. I do believe that God still performs miracles. I do believe that in the supernatural, um, when it comes to God intervening himself in our lives. Uh, the biggest uh, evidence of that are people who become followers of Jesus. Hmm. So God has already miraculously intervened to provide a way for us to be reconciled 
uh, to him by allowing a virgin named Mary to become pregnant with his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a miraculous intervention into all of human history to provide salvation for us. So every time somebody receives Jesus as their Savior, that is evidence of the miraculous movement of God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just take that for granted because we forget, oh, yeah, that's a pretty incredible story, you know, that God did. And we, we, you know, we (laughs) celebrated at Christmas and then at Easter, we all remind ourselves again, but somehow you don't, it don't have to be Christmas or Easter to celebrate those two things. Things. So why do people, you know, not ask for these things? Um, I do think it's a little bit of the, I just don't know if God would do it for me. Um, I don't really believe God can do what God says he can do. Um, I think sometimes we, um, we aren't actually thinking along with what God's will on this earth is. You know, so one of the things I tried to highlight in the message is, you know, as we pray and as we read God's word, like our desires begin to align with what God already wants to accomplish, what he's already stated his purposes are, stated his promises are. So if that's the case and you can ask God then anything according to his will. A lot of times we think, ask God for miraculous, like, God, help me win the lottery. You know, God, help me become a millionaire. It's like, well, that's not what we're talking about. God, I'm going to jump off this building. Help me learn how to fly. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, can God do this? Yes, God can do this. Is asking God to do this counter to his will? No. Well, then I'm going to ask him. So I'll give you an example from, from my life. In 2008, my dad had been having some health challenges and they were fairly certain that it was his spleen. So my, I, we were living in New York City at the time. So my mom calls me, I think it was like on a Tuesday night, and she says, or Wednesday night, she says, hey, just wanted to let you know, because my parents, I get frustrated if they don't tell me what's going on, and then I right. find out later, and <laughs> yeah. they know this about me, yeah, yeah. especially with their health. You know, I'm like, right. I'm, I'm, I, you don't ha- I'm not going to worry. I just want to know. <laughs> right. you know? Right. So my mom calls me. I know you'd be upset if I didn't tell you. Your dad's going in tomorrow. They're going to take out his spleen. He's probably going to be in the hospital for a couple of days. And um, just wanted to let you know. I'm like, okay. So um, it was kind of a, it was October, which was a little slower season for us at the church. So I called the pastor I worked for at the time and I was just like, hey, my dad's going in to get a spleen taken out tomorrow. I've got a bunch of sky miles built up. Like, would you be okay if I just flew down there tomorrow morning? You know, he, he's going to have surgery. I'll spend the day with him, fly back, just take the day off from work. He's like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. So I didn't tell my parents I was going to do this. I just thought like, it'll be a nice little surprise. Sure. You know, so I told Morgan, I'm going to fly down there. It's a two hour flight from, you know, New York to Atlanta. So I'm going to fly down there. I'm going to see my dad when he gets out of surgery, hang out with him in the hospital for a little while and, you know, spend the night at my parents' house and fly back to New York. That's the plan. So I'm in the airport at LaGuardia getting ready to get on my plane and my phone rings and it's my brother-in-law. And he says, hey, man, do you know about your dad? And I said, yeah. Like, you know, and he and he kind of like he asked me again, like, do you know about your dad? I said, yeah, like he's he's getting his spleen taken out. And, and he and the next thing he says is, are you on your way down here? Well, I hadn't even told anybody I'm flying to Atlanta. Right. And I'm like, I don't think we're having the same conversation. Like, yeah. wh- what's going on? He goes, dude, I don't know what's going on. He goes, I just got a phone call and I was told, get to the hospital as quick as you can. Your dad's probably not going to make it. Wow. And he hung up the phone and they called for us to get on the plane. Oh. So now, like, I get on a plane, and I'm flying for two hours, and I have no idea, like, what's happening. And this is this is 2008. It's not like we're all yeah. on smartphones right, right, right. and, you know, social media and everything. So it wasn't until I landed that, and got my rental car that I kind of started piecing, calling, piecing some things together. Finally get to the hospital, and um, I get off the elevator, the floor that I was told to go to. And when the elevator door is open, I see, like, 30 or 40 people all from, like, my childhood. 
like all of my parents' friends, like all these pastors I've known, like they're all like there in this waiting area. And I get off and this guy's walking by as a doctor in a, in a white coat and he stops and he backs up and he says, are you the son from New York? And I said, yes. I mean, I, look, I have not still, I don't know what's going on. He right. says, are you the son from New York? I said, yes. He, and these were his words. I need you to stay by your mom's side. Your dad will not make it through the night. And he walked through a set of double oh. doors. I still think my dad went in to get his spleen taken out. Like, I have no idea what is going on. So finally, like, my youth pastor growing up, like, pulls me aside, and he kind of, like, explains everything what's going on. So essentially what had happened is when they went in to operate, there was a large mass that had built up in my dad's intestines. And they didn't know this. And when they went in, it ruptured. And when it ruptured, it ruptured his esophagus mm-hmm. and half of his large intestines and released sepsis into his entire body. Oh, my goodness. So oh, they, no. t- you, do, you don't come back from right. that. Right. So that's why they said your dad's not going to make it through the night. And he's in a coma. <laughs> so at this point, I'm just kind of like, okay, my dad's going to die tonight. Like th- That's literally all I thought. I r- immediately started thinking about what I was going to say at his funeral. Like that was mm-hmm. just all I was thinking about. And I'm trying to stay calm, you know, for my mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And – um. At some point during the night, like I had this thought, like, well, I guess I could pray for God to heal my dad. But like it had not right. occurred to me up until that point <laughs> right. because all I had been told was stay by yeah. your mom's side. Your dad's not going to yeah. make it through the night. Sure. So I did at some point kind of like, OK, like I could ask God to heal my dad. but There's a really good chance that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on everything I'm looking at. But nevertheless, like, let's pray. Yeah. Like, hey, God, like I know what we're up against. It mm-hmm. doesn't look good. But you can do whatever you want. So if you want my dad to have more time here on earth, like, would you heal him? If not, like, I mean, ultimately, if my, if if he gets to go be with you, that's kind of the win. Right. You know, it stinks for us, but, like, it's good for him. So, you know, I, I kind of just started praying those prayers. And the other people there, we started praying those prayers. And um, the doctors gave us, like, six to eight-hour updates for, like, the next three or four days. Like, if he makes it another six hours, if he makes it another six yeah. hours— and before long, like three days became five days and five days turned into a week and a week turned into two weeks. And he ended up staying in the hospital for about six weeks and wow. um, God healed him. Wow, God man. healed him. So my dad's still with us today. Um, all these years later, that was 14 years ago. And, and what I tell people when I tell that story is God miraculously healed my dad. Yeah. There's no medical explanation for my dad, you know, staying alive through something mm-hmm. like that. But if, if God had called my dad home that would have been the ultimate healing. Right. So when you pray for God to heal someone, you pray for God to move. You ask God to do the impossible. Mm-hmm. God will be faithful to answer that prayer. He'll either heal that person temporarily and leave mm-hmm. them here on earth, or he'll heal them permanently and call them home. But like you, you at some point have to at least maybe try to find that faith, even if it's yeah. not the first. My first thought wasn't, I'm going to call on God to heal my dad. Sure, my first yeah. thought was, I better plan a funeral. But at some yeah. point, you kind of let the dust settle, and you at least acknowledge, hey, God, I know you could do this if mm-hmm. you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to believe you could do it. Mm-hmm. So if you're staring down an impossible situation, just don't forget to invite God into that impossible situation. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I know how you'll answer this next one, but— one of your points was uh, to see opposition as an opportunity. Um, and hearing that story, I think that that's kind of, I think I know where you're going to go with this. But how, what would you tell somebody that's in a in a situation that, you know, they don't see any hope in it? Um, they don't see any op- um, opportunity to, to turn that around. We're told to put on the full armor of God, right? In the New Testament, yeah. you don't you don't need armor until you're in a battle. Right. You know, you, you don't you don't need God to show up until you face a little bit of opposition. Right. You know, a lethargic life for a believer where you just kind of you know wander through life and have no purpose. That's mm-hmm. really not what we're given as right. our guidance in Scripture. So, 
you know, if you face a little bit of opposition, that is your opportunity. Hey, God, I need you to act on my behalf. I'm right. up against something that's bigger than me. Yeah. If your kids face something, you know, help them see opposition as an opportunity to call on God. Yeah. You know, the sooner that people can begin to understand, oh, that's actually part of what it means to be followed of Jesus. Right. Yeah. I'm going to run into yeah. opposition. There is spiritual warfare. Right. I'm told about this armor of God I'm supposed to be wearing, and here's right. what that looks Here, like. Here's I'm why. in a battle. Like, this life is yeah. not just about my comfort. I'm yeah. actually engaged in spiritual warfare. Right. So when you recognize that's what's happening, there is opportunity in that mm-hmm. because ultimately, I mean, think about God, uh, Joshua's faith from that day forward. Think about everybody oh, yeah. else's faith from that day forward. Think about my faith from that day forward from my dad. Yeah. You know, I've seen God act on my yeah. behalf. Well, yeah, but there was some opposition. It was opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so if you, nobody likes opposition. Right. Don't seek it out. It'll <laughs> <Right>. find you. <laughs> right. But when it happens, maybe it's an opportunity for you to call on God and see yeah. him move on your behalf. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good, man. So one of the things you said yesterday was that uh, one of your biggest challenges that you've seen in ministry is that people have too small of a view of God. So how do we right-size our our view of God? And is that even possible to have like a proper view of God? Well, I think I understand the question. Sure. So technically, no, because God is infinite and and we're finite, but we're also his children. I don't think God wants to be a mystery in our lives. So... Hmm. um, you know, I, I kind of come back. I feel like on this podcast, I come back to the same answers a lot. And I hope that when people listen to this, they don't feel like I'm just trying to take an easy way out. Um, I'm just sharing with you the only thing I know. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just sharing with you what I've done for, I don't know how many, you know, I've been a Christian now for 38 years. So th- this is just what I've done. So when you read about God and his word, is that the God who shapes your view of God? Or is there something else that's shaping your view of God? Mm. But if you read the God of his word, God's the hero of the story every single time. And he Mm. keeps coming through every single time. And I love the Torn Well song, famous for. Like, you know, what what God, he does these things. This is what he's famous for. And these are the things he's done over and over and over. So part of the answer to that is you've got to know God the way God's presented in God's word, not the way a preacher talked to you about him. Mm. Like, I can only do so much. You've got to get into God's Word, and you've got to get to know Him for yourself. And then the second thing I will tell you is you've got to cultivate and develop the art and the skill and the discipline of worship. And yes, I mean singing. (laughs) We're going to do a whole series on it at the end of October. Um, And men, I'm going to challenge y'all to be there. So many times you don't understand what's actually happening when you worship God. When you worship God for who He is, it expands your view of God. Every single time. Yeah. So if you are not putting forth the, the habit of worship in your life, both corporately and our worship services, if you just sit through the songs to get to the preaching, you're missing out. Yeah. If you're not l- engaging in personal worship through some worship music you listen to, and you don't have to sing good, just sing by yourself. But when you sing and you cry out and you honor God with your words and you honor God with your heart and you honor God with your voice, it expands your view of God. Hmm. It, it it that's what happens. So if somebody says I'm having a hard time seeing God for who he really is, get into his word and begin to cultivate the habit. And and it doesn't I mean our God is an awesome God by Rich Mullins. Yeah. Okay, you probably sung it at church camp yeah. somewhere along yeah. the way, yeah. okay? Like there's lots of really simple songs that like if you really stop and think about what they're saying and you actually sing them and you mean it from your heart, it will expand your view of God. Whatever you worship, whatever you give your emotions to, whatever you give your energy to becomes bigger in your life. It becomes a bit greater priority in your life. 
it has greater worth and value to you in your life. We started our conversation by college football. Every college football fan should understand the principle I'm making. Right. At the end of the day, all of these young men running around on a football field doing the best they can literally has no bearing on our life. That's right. right. But we care a lot about it. Yeah. So, okay, what's going on there? Well, in some way, there's a little bit of our emotion, our energy, our thoughts, you know, our focus, mm-hmm. our mind, you know. Okay, well, now it's it's magnified beyond what it really is. Right. It's magnified yeah. to fill stadiums and generate millions, if not billions of dollars, all because of a game that yeah. my 10-year-old son plays? Yeah. Well, it's gotten magnified. So if you whatever you focus on gets magnified. If you'll do that with God, God will become bigger. It's like I said in the message yesterday. The truth of who God is is not as important to you as what you believe the truth of who God is. So you're the lid. Like God in Scripture, but your perception of God doesn't match that. Well, you got to you got to do some work. And the only prescription I know to give you is get in His Word and spend time worshiping Him. And over time, He will expand your view of Him to begin to match more closely to who He really is. Yeah, I think a lot of people just sometimes just need to say it out loud, yeah. like hearing it coming from your mouth. Um, I, I tell the worship team a lot uh, to remind yourself of God's goodness and grace in your life. Mm. And that's, that's what, what you're doing. Cause you know, uh, that kind of ties into the, your third point, um, was that some people struggle with, with believing that God is for them. Um, you know, cause they view him as a rule maker or, um, you know, all, all the other uh, things that are like that, you know, keeping them from experiencing life. Mm. Um, so what are some examples in Scripture that God um, loves us and, and and even, like you said, likes us? I think the best example is Jesus' three years of public ministry. Right. I mean, if you just watch how Jesus treated people and the people yes. he went after, whether it's the woman caught in adultery or mm-hmm. Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man. He climbed up in a sycamore tree <laughs> yeah, right. for the Lord he wanted to see. That's you right. Know, so my favorite label of Jesus in the New Testament is friend of sinners. Yeah. It's yeah, my favorite yeah, label. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it wasn't a label that they were giving to him as a compliment. <laughs> it was actually an accusation. Yeah. Oh, oh that's that, interesting. Oh, I that Jesus, yeah. he's the friend of sinners. Yeah. Well, guess what that means? It actually should be just mean he's just a friend, period. <laughs> right. Because guess who the only available people are to be friends with? Sinners. sinners okay? right, right, right. But Jesus actually got this, and all of yeah. the other religious people didn't get it. Now, I'm curious today, just one guy's thoughts, if Jesus showed up for the first time in all of human history, now how many Christians would say, that guy's just a friend of sinners? I think there's a lot of people who still are wrapped up into that legalism and, and that, you know, we categorize people. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last week. Some people sin better than others. Right. You know, yeah. But, but at, at the heart of being a follower of Jesus is we're called to be a friend of sinners because mm-hmm. guess what we were? sinners. Mm -hmm. Guess what we still go back to? Our sin nature. Mm -hmm. So if you see how Jesus sought people out and he showed them that he loved them and he showed them that he was for them and he showed them that he cared about them. And my favorite part of all of that was it wasn't, he wasn't doing that with them at the first small group meeting after they had become one of his followers. Mm -hmm. He was doing that before they had ever even expressed Mm -hmm. any type of belief in who he was. He was meeting them where they were at. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the perfect example of the him just as I am. Like we sang that in the church I grew up in, but a lot of people don't feel like they can come to God just like they are. But Jesus did that. So if you're looking for an example in scripture of Jesus being for people, even Jesus's interaction with children, we have a hard time understanding it because our society tends to elevate children, Mm -hmm. not in Jesus's society. Children had no worth or value in Jesus. 
gave them worth and value. Mm -hmm. So when you read that, I want you to read those stories and I want you to be blown away by, wow, look at how Jesus is is giving those individuals worth and value. And then I need you to just stop and let this sit in for a second. It's exactly how it feels about you. Yeah. Mm. Gosh, that's so yeah. good. It's exactly yeah. how it feels about you. Yep. You are Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Like you are the little kids. Like you are the woman caught in adultery. Like you right. are the woman yeah. at the well. Like you are the known sinner mm-hmm. that he came after. And and yeah. he and he desires you and he is for you. And that that's what makes Jesus Jesus. And that's mm-hmm. what makes Christianity not like other world religions. There's nothing that we're doing to get that. Yeah. You know, as one author said, it is one way love. Like he he is supplying all of that. Yeah. We're not supplying the only thing we're supplying is our sin. <laughs> so, you know, if you really see Jesus for who he is and understand the gospel message for the good news that it is, yeah. the the conclusion is, wow, he must really be for me. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing I've brought to the table yeah. in this whole dynamic. And so Jesus is for you. And if you and if you don't believe that, you're you're listening to the wrong voices in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the enemy is going to try to get you to question the goodness of God, question whether or not Jesus is for you, mm-hmm. make you think that's for someone other than you, yeah. but it's not. Jesus is for you. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite lines uh, from a worship song, a song called Here Now by Hillsong, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the lines says, when justice called for all my debts, the friend of sinners came instead. Mm-hmm. And like, that is exactly yeah. what you're talking about, yeah. you know? I think that's so good. So, you know, speaking of that, speaking of, of us, you know, our sin nature and, you know, these human uh, colored glasses, which we view, you know, everything through, you know, your fourth point was really important that, that asking big things from God is all about his faithfulness and, and not ours. Do you think that people sometimes tend to struggle with trusting God because we do see everyone else and we see how folks let us down and we do view the world through those human colored you know, glasses? And what are the implications of that, if so? I think most people, that point doesn't really flow through their perception of others. I think it flows through their perception of themselves. Okay. I think that everybody is beating themselves up for something going on in their life. Yeah. I think everybody is um, down on themselves, disappointed with themselves, um, didn't become the person they promised themselves they would become. You know, when everybody was a kid, they were going to grow up and be this and be that. Right. And all of a sudden, they're not. Yeah. And you wake up one day and about half your life is gone and you're like, what have I done with my life? The older you get, you begin to move into seasons of regret. I think I've wasted my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that people get to a place where... They just reach the conclusion, I guess it's just not meant to be. I guess it's just not meant to be. All the things that I thought could be weren't for me. Hmm. And when you reach that conclusion, what, what is now exiting the equation is hope. And um, discouragement is one of Satan's greatest tools. Um, if he can get you discouraged, if he can actually get you to begin to think that way, mm-hmm. um, let me tell you what's right around the corner. Destruction. Hmm. Discouragement always precedes destruction. You can see anybody that's destroyed some area of their life. If you back it up on the timeline, here's what you're going to find. There was a point in time where what we're talking about just set in. It's like a storm that came you know, across the horizon and just kind of stopped and it just stayed. Hmm. And they got discouraged. So whether it's a divorce, whether it's a bankruptcy, whether it's an estranged relationship with um, someone in your family, 
whether it's a degree you never finished, whether it's uh, something that you did that make you you have a record, like you had to actually go to prison. Right. Like there could be a number of things um, in in our past that we think, well, that now disqualifies me from everything we're talking mm-hmm. about because I didn't keep my end of the deal. Right. I wasn't faithful. Now, we live in a world governed by laws to where some of those things you do are going to have some very real-world consequences. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it works. That's okay? right. But what I'm talking about here is God moving on your behalf is not based on your faithfulness. It's all about His faithfulness. And if, if you can hang on to that, and if you can believe that to be the foundation for why you need to move forward, trusting God and the goodness of God, you will move forward. As long as you keep running all of that through the equation of you, you're never going to move forward. Hmm. And, and here's what I want you to know. The people who trust God and who are moving forward with God, it's not because they were faithful. I think sometimes people listen to the three of us on this podcast and they're like, well, yeah, y'all are pastors. I mean, you get paid, you're paid to be good. You know, <laughs> right. it's like you figured all this whole thing out. It's like, no, 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 no. We're just as faithless as you are. That's right. There's been multiple times in all of our lives where somebody else had to say, it doesn't sound like you're trusting God here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like that the God you tell everybody about is the God that's helping you make this decision. Right. We've all been in those conversations. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I've got time for another quick story, but, yeah. you know, we're trying to get pregnant with our third child. There's a reason why. The, the older two are closer in age, and then there's a four-year gap for Henry. It wasn't because we wanted it that way. It was because we, we couldn't get pregnant for four mm-hmm. years. And we really felt like the Lord was, you know, leading us to have another child and, you know, all those things. And so um, we we got to a point, and, and really it was me because um, I just I just honestly was kind of just tired of it. Um, four years is a long time to just kind of get disappointed every single month. Yeah. So I just finally said to Morgan, like, hey, we're good. Like, we're good. Like, I'm going to be the spiritual leader here. I'm calling it. We're good. We've got two children. A lot of families never even get one child, you know, naturally. And so we've got two and great. Morgan, Adam, Sam, and Jacob. Yeah. And I basically shut that whole thing down. Shut it down. We're not praying about it anymore. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Like, this is how it's going to be, okay? And um, I even bought Morgan a little notebook. I always still have it. It's it's a funny little thing to look at now because it says Sam and Jacob's mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> looks like we're bad parents. And we got Henry's like, Wait, but I, man. I, I was like trying to make a point. Like we're good. Yeah. You know, we're good. And um, but God had other plans. God had other plans. And um, God decided to give us a third child. And um, there there wasn't a point in time where God was like, well. I really, you know, I've had Henry planned before the foundations of the earth, but since Adam stopped praying for him, now, now I mean, it's just yeah, not going to happen. Right. I mean, I don't know what we're going to yeah. do with this Henry that I had created. So it's like <laughs> Sorry, God bro. doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. on, Henry was going to be born whether I prayed about it or not. That's right. Because God yeah. was going to be faithful. And I was faithless. So, you know, great reminder, you know, sometimes we, we, we have to be careful about prayer. Sometimes Christians almost talk a little bit too much about their prayer life. So God does something. It's like, I tell you why God did that. It's because we prayed. Time out. Mm. Time out. Because God did something and you asked him to do it. But understand, he'd have still done it if you hadn't asked him. Okay. (laughs) So we do call on God to act on our behalf and we do ask God to move. But to somehow then say God's movement is contingent upon our prayers, I'm not so sure that's how things work. Does that make sense? So God is going to be faithful to accomplish his purposes Mm -hmm. with or without us. Mm -hmm. When we pray, it grows our faith. 
when we pray, it does a lot of things in us. God doesn't need our prayers to do anything, okay? Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we really do put too much of God's movement in, on our side of the, of the ledger, so to speak. The point I'm trying to make there in that point and in this discussion is if you've been faithless to God, welcome to the club. Right. Because right. if any yeah. of us had been faithful, Jesus doesn't need to show up. He doesn't even right. have to come. Okay. Now, part of spiritual growth is hopefully you, you try to get better at that. Right. You know? Right. Lesson learned, God. I'm not going to give up on my prayer life next time. You know, <laughs> right. I see a little guy walking around my house all the time named Henry who reminds me a constant reminder yeah. of my faithlessness. Okay. <laughs> or a constant. Reminder, we, we won't tell him that. <laughs> a constant Hopefully reminder of God's faithfulness. There oh, I can't wait. To, when, yeah. when Henry turns 10 years old, I'll take him on a trip and I'll tell him the story. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's going to be you, fun yeah. Yeah. to look in his little eyes and, and tell him, hey, hey, buddy, I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't know what God's got for you, but it's got to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know what? Even after dad stopped praying for you, yeah. God still said, no, 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 I'm going to bring this little guy into the world. And then I'm going to cut up with him because when he's 10, he'll be old enough to you know, understand the humor in this. And I'm like, and Henry, honestly, buddy, all those months I was praying, I was asking for a little girl. <laughs> we already had two little boys. So God gave us a third, and he gave me a boy. Imagine what God's going to do with your life. Yeah. And so I want him to see, and I feel that way about all my children, and any yeah. parent feels that way about their children. But I'm going to share that story with him. That's really cool. Because I want him to see, like, hey, God's going to be faithful to you for the rest of your life, even if you're not faithful to him. Mm-hmm. Um, even if mom and dad are knuckleheads and, and you don't always understand what we're up to, mm-hmm. you can always count on God. He's always going to be faithful to you. See, I can't wait to share that story with him when he's old enough to understand it and, <laughs> and not feel bad. That's right. No, I love it. I love yeah, it. Man. Well, speaking about uh, prayer, um, I really liked what you had to say about prayer being like uh, the way we talk to God and it doesn't have to be a real, real, uh, ritual, ritual. Yeah. 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 Uh, thing that we do. Um, like, so what are some, you know, let's go through, like, what a healthy prayer life looks like. Yeah, I'm probably not the best person to ask that question. <laughs> okay, so, Chad, um, what? Yeah, well. I mean, I pray a lot. I just don't do it the way I was taught to do it. Right. Um, I, I Years ago, gosh, y'all know how I many stories just popped in my head. You know, years ago, at some point, y'all are like, okay, no, enough stories. Yeah. No, 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 keep going. Um, and maybe we could figure this out because— the company that was working on this, I never heard from them again, so apparently it didn't go well. But like, <laughs> there was a company that was working on this inventory that people could take. Uh-huh. And based on your personality type, based on your you know, interest, based on you know, where you live, based mm-hmm. on, it would kind of help you come up with a spiritual path to grow closer to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if you live in Colorado and you love the outdoors and it's oh, the right. fall, it, maybe every morning at 6 a.m. you should go for a hike and yeah. pray while you're hiking. Right. If, okay. you live in, yeah. if you live in Montgomery, stay inside. It's humid. Mm-hmm. You right. know? So it's like there's all these different things that guide you. Mm-hmm. My point is most of the things that people have told you over the years, and by you I'm talking to people who listen to this podcast, that have told you will help your prayer life, they're just telling you would help their prayer life. Mm-hmm. It's like going to a marriage conference and the two people leading the marriage conference tell everybody how to have a better marriage. No, they're telling you how they got a better marriage. Right. Right. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah, figure yeah. out yeah. what works in your marriage. Yeah. Right. It's the same way with praying. Try every available way to pray and talk to God. It may mm-hmm. be sitting still. Mm-hmm. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And it may be that. You may be the dude that can sit there for 30 minutes and pray and not move, and your mind doesn't wander. I that, envy that, you. Yeah. That's right. not yeah. me. Okay, I'm the kid they would just make Adam just take a lap around the room, right? And then come sit back down, okay? Right. So I'm like, I do better too. when I'm moving. I do better. Morgan actually read an article last week about um, 
men and boys and teenagers. And one of the things in the article said that when you're having a conversation with your son, sometimes it actually is better to be sitting in a car driving because they'll talk more when they're looking straight ahead as opposed to looking straight at you. Mm. What a great insight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe you're that person. Like right. you'll talk better to God while you're driving drive. than if you're sitting still. Yeah. My, my whole, or maybe you journal, you know, maybe you write things down. Maybe you type them out, yeah. you know, maybe you, Someone tones that. When you tweet your prayers to God, please don't ever say that out loud. That just sounds goofy, okay? Hang on, I got but TikTok like, God here. No, like, I don't like to type on a Hold computer. On I like to type with my thumbs on the notes on my phone. I, I, don't, I don't care. Sure, sure. God sure. can whatever read that works, too. man. So whatever, I like to draw. I, I, it, how are you wired? Right. What does communication look like in other areas mm-hmm. of your life that's life-giving? Right. Okay? And then can you incorporate that into your prayer life? Mm-hmm. Um. I like to talk to God a lot throughout the day. So, you know, some people like to have a set, you know, there's plenty of people in the church history. They started off their day every day. They, they prayed mm-hmm. for an hour every single morning. Um, I would like to think that cumulatively over the time of the day, I pray for an hour, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm not wired to sit still yeah. and pray for an hour. And someone listening to this right now is saying, well, you should probably work on that. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, probably. But like, I'm just telling you, like, <laughs> this is just how I'm wired. Yeah, so yeah. how are you wired? And then you... Just go with it. Mm-hmm. Because here's the crazy thing, Matt. Do you know who wired you? God. Oh, God. Right. He, he, <laughs> he knows. already knows how you're <laughs> wired. It's not like he's sitting there going, if he would just act like his brother. Like just, he's not, he's not saying that. Right. Yeah. So um, all joking aside, the best way to get to know God better is to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Just to talk to him. Just to pray. Just to tell him what's on your heart. Um, he already knows what's on your heart. And when you tell him what's on your heart... Um, there is a supernatural peace, Philippians tells us, that begins to invade our heart Mm -hmm. as we cast our cares upon him. So um, am I opposed to formal prayers? No, we we talked about this back in February, about having these markers in your kids' lives and pray these prayers over them. And I do that with my children, and Morgan Mm -hmm. and I do that in our marriage. So I'm just saying, if that's the only way you've ever looked at prayer, it might be a little stale, and you might just want to try some different things. Right, that's good. So your last point was that we should stop to pray, but then we need to keep moving while we pray. And then you quoted James 2.17, where it says faith without works is dead. So that verse almost makes what we believe like sound a little works-based, but we know that our you know salvation is not works-based. Can we just unpack that for a minute? I don't know who said this first, but it's not original with me. So I want to make sure I, I'm clear about that. God does not need your good works, but your neighbors do. God doesn't need your good works, but there's a lot of people in our community who do. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need your good works, but there's a bunch of kids that sure could be mentored and tutored. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need your good works, but there are needs all around you that he's placed you strategically to meet those needs. So when it yeah. comes to being faith without works, make no mistake about it. We're talking about the people who God's called us to serve. We're, we're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We're yeah. actually called to make a difference in this world. Hmm. We're not called to just sit and soak. We're not called yeah. to sit around and debate great theological concepts. Mm-hmm. We're not called to sit around and just do podcasts. Right. We are called <laughs> right. to get up and go do something. Right. Move right. our legs. Move your feet. Get to work. There's yeah. work to be done. Jesus said, what did Jesus say? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. I mean, Jesus told us straight up. Right. There's a lot of people that can be reached if we could just find some workers around here to do the mm-hmm. work. And it requires us doing the work. So, yeah, a faith that's not an action is not faith at all. It's just not faith at all. A, a faith that is praying for God to move and then not doing anything is not faith. It is not faith. Hmm. Someone says, I just don't want to get ahead of God. You won't. Right. You won't. He's God. <laughs> he's, got, he's got that one covered. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if Hitler couldn't get ahead of God— 
chances are you won't. Like if somebody trying to bring about evil on all of human history right. could not thwart God's will, you praying something and going out and doing good, you're not going to thwart God's will either. Right. You're, you're good. You're yeah. not going to get ahead of God. Right. If he needs to slow you down, he'll, he'll yeah. slow you down. Yeah. Take he'll that one off the worry list. If, yeah. if, he, if he needs to close the door, he'll slam it shut. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. I would rather you be proactive than, than non-active. Okay. Right. So yeah. do something. One of my favorite examples in the Bible, probably my favorite example of this principle in the Bible is Ruth. I love the story of Ruth because she stinking got up and went to work. I love it. it, You know, she went to work. And then I love how Ruth is like, and then, oh, by the way, here comes Boaz. (laughs) It's like only God could say, all right, Boaz, go check out that field that day. So God is doing what only God can do. But Ruth is doing what what she could Mm -hmm. do. Let me tell you another fun example from the Bible. So Peter's in, in prison. And the Christians are praying for him to be, you know, released, right? And so an angel shows up. You read it in the book of Acts. An angel shows up, and it says that the angel knocked off the, I don't know if it's handcuffs or the chains, the chains around Peter's yeah. hands, and opened the prison door. And then the angel said to Peter, get up and put your coat and shoes on. If I'm Peter, I'm like, you couldn't handle that one too? I mean, you just knocked off the chains and opened the door. Surely you can throw my coat and shoes on while we get the heck out of here. Do I really need these 30 seconds? Because it takes me a minute to tie my shoes. I don't know how Peter did it. But like the point there is like, hey, you can still put on your coat. You could still put on your shoes. Right. Like, I'll do what you can't do. You do what you're capable of doing. So if you'll remember that principle, like set an alarm clock, get on the treadmill, eat healthy, treat your spouse well. God, be a godly example for your kids. Be at church. Read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Pray. There's a lot of stuff you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do what you can do, and then trust God to take care of what He can't do. Joshua was swinging a sword after marching all night mm-hmm. when he asked God to make the sun stand still. Mm-hmm. He was not on his knees in his living room having a quiet time. He was engaged mm-hmm. in the fight of his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God needs Christians who will be engaged in the fight of their life for such a time as this. We are the people he has on the earth right now who are calling on him to do what only he can do. But God, there's already enough that you've told us we can do that we've got enough work to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to keep doing what you've told us to do, and then yeah. we're going to count on you to do what we can't do. Yeah. Those two right. things work together. They're not incongruent with one another. Yeah. So, you know, just real practically, if some folks say, well, hey, I want to get in on that. So I, I want to live out my faith. Like, what are some ways here at Vaughn Forest Church that they can do that or, or other folks that go to other churches. Probably. Yeah. Well, we talked about, you know, uh, the homeless, uh, feeding the homeless. Yep. So we're starting that next week. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. a group coming up here once a month on Monday nights to cook food once a month going downtown to serve it. You, yeah. you can help with that. Um, we were at the high school football game Friday night and um, Morgan and I were talking about it after the game. You know, why are parents of the band uh, in the concession stands? Mm-hmm. They should be at the game watching their kids play in the band. Yeah. So we need to have an army of people who go to high school football games and serve at the concession stands because they love Jesus and they want parents to get to watch their kids play ball or watch kids play right, in the band. Right. You know, we you can always find something to do. We've got widows in our church and Beauty by Fire, one of the ministries mm-hmm. that we partner with, led by Brooke Freeman. They always need things to be done. Right. They need somebody yeah. to help them out with yard work or help out with different things. We, trust me, if if you if you ask us, hey, what do I need to do? Put me in the game, coach. We can put you in that's the game. Right. Yeah, we have that's plenty right. of things to be yeah. done. Yeah. Absolutely. So a lot of times, I'm glad you asked the question because there is a desire. Sometimes people just don't know practically what step to take. Mm-hmm. That's part of the responsibility of the church is to help 
help bridge that gap. That's right. Yeah. Here's some things that we're involved in in our community. Here's some things we're involved in in the world. And here's some things we're involved in, in local schools. Here's mm-hmm. some we're we're involved in a lot of things. You know, how would you like to be a part of that? Yeah. Right. And um, certainly there's many opportunities to do that here. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's one of my favorite things when people are like, hey, can we grab coffee and talk about some places to get plugged in? Why, yes, we can. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we would love nothing more. <laughs> love it. That's right. Well, this has been a great conversation, gentlemen, yeah. and we're looking forward to kind of wrapping up uh, this series this Sunday, uh, Ready or Not, been studying the life of Joshua. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting together to worship and to pray yeah. and, and to see all the cool things uh, that God's going to do. So thank you guys for the conversation, and thank you guys for joining us. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan and myself, we appreciate you joining us, and we will catch you next time.